the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great, great, great to be together. Excited to talk, a lot to talk about. You know, one great benefit of these crazy, crazy uh, indictments is they are giving a platform for President Donald Trump and others to assert their uh, truths, what they know about the election in 2020. I think we're going to see more of that. We'll talk about that later. Our guest, one of our guests today, uh, actually, I think I'm going to do him for two segments. I'm going to go twice with him because his book is all about a single county in Pennsylvania that has uh, has had some major, major allegations of fraud. And, um, it's a fascinating book. Uh, and so it's called the parallel election. And so I think we'll go for two segments with him. And, uh, his name is a Gregory. I pronounce his last name wrong a lot. Strent, Strenstren, Strenstren. I think I'm getting it right. Um, and, uh, Sten, Sten, see, I did Stenstrom, Stenstrom. There it is. Stenstrom. Uh, and, uh, it's about Delaware County in Pennsylvania. Anyway, fascinating. So we'll get to that and a whole lot more here on the program, including some more details on the, um, Phyllis Lively Eagle Council, the 52nd annual in September. You're going to want to be there. I hope you will uh, uh, get registered, come to St. Louis, be a part of it. I, I don't like to say this out loud, but we will record the great speakers and sessions, and you'll be able to watch them after. But it won't be the same as being there. So check that out. Okay, so I go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the daily email there, the daily wink, what you need to know. The email goes into your inbox, and it will make sure that you get um, exactly what you need uh, for what you need to know and, and uh, a few other links and a few other things all coming into your inbox. Uh, so do that when you get a minute. All right. Um, today, what's today's wink? Well, as you know, I was up in um, New Jersey with President Trump. You may not know that. I was up there for an event for the January 6th uh, Patriot Freedom Project, and it was a great fundraiser, raised money to help the families, help the defendants and all. So it was cool. And he gave a great speech. I met a bunch of folks. Um, but here's what I talked to the crowd about. And I want to tell you how important this is. And and maybe we're all growing in our knowledge of what abuse has looked like and maybe we didn't know i i'm willing to say that i've i've i'm growing in my understanding of how prosecutors could be abusive to defendants and and maybe this was happening in a dramatic way that i didn't know and that's shame on me but i want to give you uh two quick examples in the case of matthew perna Matthew Perna ended up um, hanging himself tragically, uh, committing suicide, and he had lots of troubled, um, uh, troubled uh, issues. He he went to January sixth. He went through the building. He was then arrested and charged. He was a school teacher. I think he was a history teacher, and he did not. Um, he really got depressed about this. He was he did not consider himself a, a criminal, but he was charged, and they put him in a position where he was really stuck, and um, and then. 
just days. And so he decided to plead guilty and he was going to have to serve three months, maybe six months, and he would be out and he'd go back to building his life and he'd sort of put it behind him. And he, but it, he was depressed. When you talk to his family members, they say, you know, he wasn't doing well. So I have a hard time judging people when there's these terrible uh, incidents. I, I'm very careful. I, I don't like to, to judge and, and say how it can happen because to me, it's such a terrible tragedy. But, but the prosecutor in that case, just days before the sentencing was to take place, uh, alerted Matthew Perna and his father that they were seeking an enhancement that would take his months in jail up to years in jail. And it could be years and years. And this broke him. This broke him. Now, putting aside, again, how anything can break a man or a woman and cause them to do that, that's not my point in this. What was told a few weeks later by the prosecutor, to one of the Perna family, I, it may have been the family's lawyer, but I think it was a family member, was something like this. Well, we weren't going to actually hold to that enhancement thing, that extra penalty. We were just doing that to kind of make sure that we got this deal closed. And if he just waited a few weeks, we would have backed off. That's what he said, the prosecutor. Flash forward to the case of uh, of Worrell. Uh, Mr. Worrell is a um, is a January 6th defendant. He was uh, also um, uh, convicted in this case and was getting wa- waiting for sentencing. And his uh, Christopher Worrell was he was told um, your sentence is going to be, I think, eight years and uh big sentence. Right. He had done some some things. And, and, and then just days before the prosecutor uh, told him, oh, we're actually going for 14 years. Six more years. And he had had cancer. He had had a lot going on. Now, my point here is the treatment of these human beings in this way feels like causing terror upon them. That therefore makes you a terrorist because it's not. A, it, it, and, and I think the reason why the prosecutors feel this is OK is because they've decided unilaterally, in my opinion, I don't know where they got this. I, I think they got this authority from DOJ, but it doesn't seem to me something that's accurate to the facts. But they've decided that the people involved in this are were. Can be treated as themselves, these insurrectionists, you know, insurrectionists or or so. So what you have is, oh, anything's justified. You know, these people are the worst of the worst, but they're not. They're just not. I mean, Matthew Perna, it, it's outrageous. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Worrell, it's also outrageous. Christopher Worrell, I hate to say this like this, at least he had some aspect of his um, incident that included, you know, uh, being in the fray a bit. Not much, but a bit. But Matthew Perna walked through there. I mean, he, he didn't do anything. But the point is that because of the classification of the people as so-called insurrectionists, which is, was a lie, then they're, they're justified to act however they want. And they can go ahead and do whatever they want. That's what's happened here. And so you have conduct. And I suppose I, you know, maybe this is where we're going to see. I'll make this, I'll make this prediction. I think as this goes forward, more and more Americans who have been wronged in their assessment by the justice system, 
I'm thinking maybe low-income African-Americans, uh, different families in poverty, different minority communities are looking up and they're saying, you know what? We can see that they're targeting Trump. We've felt that way in the past. I think there will be some solidarity. And maybe, maybe we all should have been more aware of this. Maybe it's been unfair in a way that the balance of power in this country has been unfair for longer than just uh, Trump and January 6th. And we should be more aware of it. That sounds to me like progress. I, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, to engage in that, to think that that sounds like progress. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure that I know it, but I do know when I look at the terror that is being caused by the prosecutors in the case of Matthew Perna, he took his own life. In the case of, uh, uh Christopher Worrell, he ran. He ran. He was home. He was staying at home and he ran on his because he's afraid. And again, I I don't know what I would have done if I was him. I'm not sure. I can't say. I don't want to say. I don't want to judge him. But I mean, you know, now he's a, now he's a fugitive. And when or if he gets caught, it's going to be pretty bad for him then. I mean, that's going to be the, a different set of problems. But my point is only what's happened here. What is what you need to know is what's happened here in terms of the treatment of these people by the prosecutors. You know, Julie Kelly wrote a a piece uh, a couple of days ago about the the way that uh, Jack Smith's pleadings have happened. He's 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 been hiding the ball. He's been sort of dishonorable in her estimation. I'm not as not a close as look. I, I didn't take a close look at this one, but I just will say this. It's like. Anything is justified because of these people's hatred of Trump. Anything. The the usual norms are out the window. The usual, the way of respecting things out the window. It's extraordinary to see. It's extraordinary to watch it so closely. And you have to wonder what is going to become of, uh, of so many of the people who are in this, in this, um, um, in this situation and are faced with all this because there's going to be more terror and the more, the more terror that's inflicted on them, the, the, the more effective it is on other people. That's part of the trick, in my opinion. If you see what happens to some of these, you take a, you take a different deal. You take a different, you, and that's what they're trying to do. I, I heard, uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz. I don't think he's written this yet. I heard him say, um, when and who, decided when was it decided and who decided that what happened on january 6th was not just a, a riot and an incident but actually a you know insurrection and a and a and and that and that accelerated when, when was the time the moment that was decided because he said that that pivot has changed everything i i think what you need to know is we got to get to the bottom of that especially if it was somebody high up in the justice department that decided to do this because it's causing prosecutors as terrorists as terror uh, purveyors of terror. Not good. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very, very interesting times. I was just uh, in the last 24 hours, I was actually with uh, uh, former President Donald Trump and, and in um, 
in a, a truth social hours after we had met and talked and he spoke about these issues. He he tr- he tweeted on that truth social. He said, finally, we're going to get to the bottom of what's happened with the elections in one of these legal cases where they're arresting him. I think uh, one of the things that he mentioned during the talk that I was with uh, him for, he said, you know, these uh, they, they say nothing happened in these elections. They want us all to look away. Well, a lot happened and he's going to get to the bottom of it through his case. Our next guest is doing the same thing and his name is Gregory Stenstrom and he is a uh, co-founder of Patriot.org online you go to their website it's a social media platform uh very interesting i've been uh, cluing in on it myself but he's got a book and the book is called the parallel election a blueprint for deception and uh the subtitle even beyond that is evidence of massive election fraud in delaware county pennsylvania in november 2020 uh first of all welcome sir i know i recognize in your bio you served a naval academy grad served in our military Uh, thank you for your service welcome to the program thanks it's a pleasure to be here so first of all, um, how bad is it for a normal guy? And I weigh that when I, I when I say that about you, I mean somebody who's a business guy. He's been a technology guy, a naval officer. Uh, you know, not someone who has sort of stumbled around with no direction in his life. How hard is it to talk about election fraud when everybody not only wants to shout you down, they want to indict you? Well, it was initially initially difficult, um, but it's gotten increasingly easy. I think the latest uh, Rasmussen poll. Uh, and there's other polls uh, indicate that about 80, 83 percent of the people in the United States believe our elections were stolen and that they're not run uh, fairly. So it's gotten easier over the time. But in 2020, it was the safest and most secure election ever, <laughs> you know, and we fought against that. I'm actually a co-defendant with President Trump in a defamation case in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, two of them. So uh, I'm very well acquainted with the with the cases because I'm a co-defendant with him. Hmm, I didn't realize that. Well, um, so let's. I, I don't want to um, move. I don't want to move on to the broader. I, I'm tempted to move on to the broader conversation. Our listeners are all across the country and all, but I want to speak about uh, Delaware County, where you've dug into this. This is your home county. The book is called "The Parallel Election." Um, if you had to describe what you found and the deception. You know, the contours of it. And I, you know, I was out in, in Springfield, Missouri with Mike Lindell. Mike's got a real focus on the elections, the electronic systems being problematic and all. But when you looked at just Delaware County, your county, describe the county for us and describe us what you found. Sure. Uh, our county is about 550,000 people mm-hmm. with uh, 403,000 registered voters currently. In 2020, mm-hmm. about 325,000 voted in, or said they said they voted in 2020. Uh, we're just southeast of, uh, Philadelphia, and we're one of um, we're, our county is important. And to start off, so the audience understands this: that there's three thousand one hundred and forty-three counties, parishes, and wards in the United States that make mm-hmm. up the fifty states. Right. And of those, it, everyone knows what a swing state is. You know, there's right. eight swing states, but the, it to, to go more granular, there's only thirty-two counties in the United States that decide the outcome of national elections, and they focused on 20 of them. And the names uh, will ring a bell for most people, Antrim County and Wayne County in Michigan, Maricopa County and DeKalb County in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, uh, Pima County in Arizona, yeah, yeah, in DeKalb. Georgia, Fulton DeKalb. and DeKalb County, yep. Yep. and in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia County, Delaware County, Chester County, and Allegheny County. We basically decide those four counties predominantly decide the outcome of the uh, of state and national elections. And that is where they concentrated their fraud. They only had to focus on several, you know, a small number of counties and 
most of the country, you know, they they don't have central centralized counting centers. Mm-hmm. All of our election is counted in one central building. We talk about this in the book, and we talk about where all the money went. So when people hear about Soros, you yeah. know, Soros contributed to district attorneys races specifically in those counties. They hear about Zuckerberg money, four hundred and forty million dollars. Ninety percent of the Zuckerberg four hundred and forty million dollars was poured into twenty counties. Hmm. So when we speak of the election, election fraud, I'm not some you know beast in the wild, you know, screaming about election and you know in Podunk wherever. Um, we were in the belly of the beast here, Delaware County was specifically targeted and the results of what we saw were germane the last thing is i'm not just uh i'm a concerned citizen of course but the co-author of the book is leah hoops and leah hoops is a bethel township committee woman she's um someone in delaware county that has been taking a great interest in the elections and before the november 2020 election she had asked a friend of hers who is a mutual friend of mine if uh, he knew any experts in fraud my expertise is in fraud. I've recovered over a quarter of a billion dollars for the state of Pennsylvania and municipalities and billions in, with, an, with an S and with a B as in Bravo for private corporations. I've worked for the federal government, state government, and municipalities, and I'm a, I'm a well-known quantity within the DOJ as someone who's an expert in financial fraud, bank fraud. So uh, I didn't just show up and drop out of the sky. Leah recruited me. I happened to live in Delaware County. And um, I went in there with a specific purpose of looking for, you know, potential irregularities. So, so I, and, and our guest, uh, I'm, I, sorry, I want to I inter- interrupt to keep us moving. Our guest is Gregory uh, Stenstrom. And I'm glad you mentioned, I was about to mention your co-author because um, the book is Parallel Election. Um, but back to what you found. I mean, when I looked at your description and I, I read, I'm only, I have to admit, I read only parts of the book. I haven't read the whole thing. But if you describe to the listener in one county, is this a, um, you know, would you describe it as one aspect of the, of the you know, the left calls it the fortification of the election. It looks like fraud to me on every level. But what is, what is it you found? We found absolute evidence of fraud, massive fraud. And in a nutshell, the way they commit the fraud is they substitute counterfeit ballots and counterfeit votes for real votes. So to be specific about Delaware County, on November 3rd, I was in the centralized counting center and we observed 120,000 mail-in ballots run through the machines. And these are the machines that people saw on TV running in Philadelphia, Delaware County, Antrim, and so forth. So they processed 120,000 mail-in ballots through the machines, but they wouldn't let us get near them. And I noticed uh, the ballots where they were going in and out from. And I said, you know, I need to get in that back room. I need to go. The fraud's never right in front of you. That's all kabuki theater. I need to get in the back room. We filed an injunction, and we had to fight our way. When I say we, I I had to fight my way into the back room uh, through a phalanx of police officers with a court order in my hand and and get back there. And what we found two days after the election was 70,000 unopened mail-in ballots. Hmm. Those were the real ballots. The 120,000 that were put through on November 3rd were the fake ones. And in a nutshell, um, a big problem with the math they have is they only mailed out 104,000. So they mailed out 104, they counted 120, and there were 70,000 unopened in the back room. This is an irrefutable, undisputed fact. They admit they were there. In their own court filings, in, the, in, their, in their anxiety to prove that this was the safest and most secure election, the attorneys that we filed a lawsuit against in November 4th, uh, the day after the election, which included the injunction, uh, they took pictures. 
And in their own pictures, you can see the unopened mail-in ballots. They were forced to admit they were there, and there's no question. I also observed uh, the voting machine warehouse supervisor, who is uh, president of the Philadelphia Steelworkers. Uh, he's a, he, he's an avowed communist. He says it himself. Um, I saw him insert. Uh, they lost 64 these V drives, and a V drive is what they use, or a U, it's like a USB stick, little USB right. stick you use at home, and those are plugged into the voting machines during the voting day. So at the end of the the day at 8 p.m. You know, they have to bundle everything up. They bundle up the ballots. They bundle up these USB sticks, and they send them to the centralized counting center. Now, 64 of them were missing, and we knew that. Two days later, he showed up, and he sticks them into the tabulation servers and flipped the vote another 50,000 votes. So they do it with both mail-in ballots and electronic ballots. And quite frankly, you know, without we can go forward. It's, it's very well yeah. described in the book and documented. Uh, we have photographs. We have videos. We ran a sting operation a little later, submitted right to nose, because my experience in fraud, they always destroy the evidence. They always right. try. Right. So we got them on video. Uh, we have election officials, including attorneys, admitting on audio, on video, that they fabricated the entire election. And it uh, was- Gre- Gregory, let me let me take a break and then I'll come back. I want to keep going with you. I want to stay a second segment because I, I need to I need to I've learned sure. too much. and I need to ask another question. So so uh, let's take a, qu- a quick break. Gregory Stenstrom is our guest um, and his book, which I'll post up on social media, is uh, is uh, the parallel election, a blueprint, blueprint for deception. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I, I've, I've got to tell you, uh, I wasn't prepared, Gregory. I thought, well, a 10-minute interview is enough um, on this topic, and you, you you got me all the way in, and so now I needed to stay with you. So thank you for staying for uh, a second segment. Um, when you describe what has happened in Delaware County, one of the key counties, as you mentioned, sort of a swing county in the country, and you talked about all these details of what happened, uh, what has the response been? And, and let me broaden it. I know that the Democrats are the liberals or whoever that did this are going to try to stonewall and all but are your neighbors who are not lunatics are your uh colleagues who are not um you know just sort of blind because of partisan rage are are they being um uh eyes opened on this are you are you finding that people understand it and are saying how can that be uh no, I think as people, uh, with all fraud is, is within all crime, once you shine a light on it and give it sunlight, um, rational people come around. And as I stated, when, you know, in 2020, people wanted to believe that the elections were honest. And quite frankly, if they had followed the procedures that were laid out by the Election Assistance uh, Commission and uh, designed by experts to be, uh, to be fair and to be honest, uh, those processes were subverted. And uh, that's how they committed the fraud. So what's important here, too, is, is, is the efforts that we did during and after the election. So on November 7th, I contacted Bill McSwain, who is the U.S. attorney for Eastern Pennsylvania. Right. And um, I had his number in my cell phone. I'm, we've worked together. We, you know, I don't know him well, but I knew him well enough to have his cell phone. In my, and I call, called him and I said, uh, Bill, we, we've got a problem here. Um, I gave an overview, like I just gave you, very quick overview. Right. And I said we can resolve this. Uh, I do forensic. I'm a forensic computer scientist and network engineer. Uh, that's in my background as well. I said if we do a forensic image on two of these tabulation servers, probably one or two of the scanners, 
uh, the mail sorter, and maybe a couple of voting machines, just, you know, four, four to six machines, uh, I'm 100% positive we can prove that the uh, election here has been stolen. So he said, Greg, I'll get right back to you. About a half an hour later, he called, and he basically, no can do. Uh, he had been ordered to stand down by Attorney General Barr, U.S. Mm. Attorney General Barr. He, he, did he tell you that? Did he tell you that? Or you just you? you he said he said I can't do it. No, he's he's a smarter lawyer than that. He didn't get to be a U.S. Attorney by being a dummy. He, right. He's uh, he chose his words carefully. Right. But in a FOIA request that we uh, have and is and now entered in evidence, um, that I gave uh, Bill a, de- a declaration, a twenty-six page sworn declaration describing the fraud in great detail with photographs and exactly how they committed the fraud. I mean, down to the precinct level. And it's a very detailed report. People can find it in the book. They can find it online. It's all it's all there. Now, that was forwarded to the Department of Justice, the Inspector General and the uh, FBI. Mm-hmm. Within we have the emails from the FOIA request within two hours, that declaration had gone through uh, the entire top level of the DOJ, FBI, Inspector General, National Security Council, CIA, multiple congressmen and senators, and it, it within two hours. Right. The response by U.S. Attorney General Barr was they spent, and we have the emails to, 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 to verify this, they spent two days crafting an email uh, or a letter that was submitted to the president and also was spoken, which Bill Barr read aloud uh, on in, in the public. And what it said was, there is no widespread evidence of election fraud. Right. Now, we started the interview off with saying, I only need 20 counties to swing the entire right, country. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. You don't, need, so that you, don't wide, need, you don't need 40. You don't need 45 states. You just need 20 to 25 counties. Go ahead. That's it. So when he said widespread, that was very well crafted. The director of the public integrity sector in, a, in specifically elections and the criminal referral manager, uh, Richard Pilger, resigned as a result of that. Uh, my declaration and uh, U.S. Attorney General Barr's response. He had been there for 27 years. And he resigned. So wow. what happened was after that is they federally obstructed. They excuse me. They obstructed federal investigations into election fraud, not only here in Pennsylvania, but in um, Nevada, uh, Michigan, Arizona and uh, Georgia. Now, they were getting reports, mm-hmm. not just from me, but from other people by that time that were reporting massive election fraud and they federally obstructed them. I want to fast forward to last yeah. month. Uh, it was a three-year journey to get here. But in July, on July 4th of this year, just two months ago, I submitted formal criminal allegations against U.S. Attorney General Barr, U.S. Attorney General Rosen, Inspector General Michael Horowitz, Jack Smith, who is the one who wrote the indictment for President Trump, the most recent one, um, uh, Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, and multiple deputies. This group is called the Council. And when right. people ask me, how are we going to move forward and what are we doing and Let's just, just go forward and say the, the, the fact that there was massive election fraud at this point is irrefutable. It is undisputed. We have entered the evidence in multiple courts now in discovery. One of the courts, the Commonwealth Court, will be hearing this case finally after the end of the summer, after quashing it three times. It uh, went up to SCOTUS. It may be reheard in SCOTUS. They denied it without opinion initially, but this case will may still be heard by the Supreme Court of the United States. It's a matter of record in defamation cases that I'm a co-defendant with Trump. The bottom line is there's no question at this point there was massive election fraud. And that's one of the reasons, you know, Donald Trump is so comfortable right now being indicted because he knows that that evidentiary record is not only on file in the courts, but the DOJ has those files in their own records. Their own file cabinets has all the evidence of massive fraud. 
What their evidence is, is they federally obstructed it. And this small group of people called the council, which was created in 1978 and has grown, which includes all 74 inspector generals in the country, the top tier of the DOJ and the top tier of the FBI. That's the council. They're the ones. People want to know who, what, why, where. The, the, the why is they want to uh, complete state capture and implement progressive social reconstruction. These are all documents and books that they've written. So, 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 so uh, Gregory, again, and the book is the parallel election, uh, Gregory Stenstrom. What, how, do, how does it get out? I mean, you, 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 most of the people that have an, a real sense and an argument about, hey, I, this is what I saw and found. You're in a defamation lawsuit. Trump's under these criminal indictments. You mentioned uh, some of the lawyers that you were protesting against. The, the guys that said, hey, let's look at this, like Jeff Clark at the time, uh, he's under indictment. I mean, how does this get out? How does it get out? And how does it uh, get uh, into the record uh, publicly? And then is there anything that you see that makes you think it won't happen again? Well, if we continue on the current trajectory, it will happen again. So unless these um, allegations are heard before the House Judiciary, I submitted these allegations to the House Judiciary Committee and Jim Jordan. Uh, they are going out throughout the government now. And people are saying this 2020 matter. It absolutely matters. And having been involved in multiple investigations, it takes years. Now, I was very well aware early on about the Dominion, um, the, the, the hypothesis that uh, elections were stolen electronically. And I said, well, that, whether that's true or not, uh, boys, is, it'll take four to five years to prove. Uh, I've been involved in these types of court cases. And, and like I said, I put people, you know, the people have gone to jail as a result of the investigations I've done. Senior people, you know, uh, mayors, sheriffs, congressmen, U.S. senators, uh, they've either been indicted or resigned. Uh, and, and I've been involved in quite a few of these investigations. And the way you have to do it uh, is uh, quietly because the, the wheels of justice uh, may turn slowly, but they do turn. And what you're seeing now, I think, in the news is uh, strategically these people, the council, and specifically, you know, Barr, uh, Rose, and people want to know, was Pence involved? Absolutely, Pence was involved. This group of people, what they don't understand is they don't report to the politicians. Politicians report to them. And now that we're shining a light on them and the indictments are coming and they realize the evidentiary base is there, uh, they're reacting tactically now, and what they're doing is is they're caught. And as in as in every fraud investigation, they'll try to shape the argument. They indicted Trump and says, "Well, he stole the election, not us." And th th what they're doing is very typical of the trajectory of criminals, and they are criminals. And I can say, and I can assure people that uh, it will, uh, the justice will prevail. Our basic premise is they're good people. There are good judges out there. There are good public servants out there that love the United States. There's good FBI agents. The entire FBI is not corrupt. Nobody joins the FBI to be a bad guy or the NSA or any of these other agencies. They all join, most of them, with the, a sense of duty and love for our country. These people will prevail. These are the people, the 2.4 federal workers, right. 2.4 right. million federal yeah, workers. I, I, I agree prevail. with that. I just say, I think the system is the way to think of it is the system's got off balance. And, uh, and you it know, did. again, we, we, nobody wants no FBI functions, but we may have to do distribute it differently to try to check and balance. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I need to go, uh, Gregory. I'm out of time. Gregory Stenstrom is our guest. His book is The Parallel Election. Uh, he is the founder also of Patriot, www.patriot.online uh, and, and online uh, internet town hall. Check that out. And uh, we've got to run. We'll have you back again though sir i appreciate it very much uh it's ed martin here on the pro america report we'll be back in a moment 
This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983, continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. The University of California at San Diego, like many universities, offers freshman students the chance to discuss unique subject matter in a casual classroom setting called Fall Freshman Seminars. These are one-credit classes focused on attempting to answer outside-the-box questions in narrow and unique areas of interest. According to the program description, the seminars are taught by faculty in their fields of expertise. The benefits of these seminars include smaller class sizes and the chance to engage with a professor about interesting subjects, a rare opportunity for freshmen. But a closer look at these freshman seminar courses reveals that the University of California at San Diego, for example, has topics of so-called intellectual importance and critical discussion that are on trivial subjects and biased content. They're not what students or their parents expect. For example, the literature department of this university offers a course called Zombies and Unnatural History. It's unclear what that is. The same university offers a seminar called Reading Television that discusses gender, race, and sexuality in family drama, sitcoms, TV news, and reality TV. The Department of Biological Sciences offers a seminar entitled Earth's Fragile Biosphere, where students can discuss species extinction and global warming. In the Department of Cognitive Science, freshmen can enroll in a seminar called How Minds and Groups Make Religion and Superstition. The syllabus promises students the chance to explore questions such as how does the human brain accept religious beliefs even in the face of contradictory evidence? Is it worth taking out a college loan and going into debt and then find when you first step on campus this is the sort of course you're greeted with? This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? At phyllisschlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti-Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I previewed earlier in the Pro-America Report my reasons, part of my reasons for you to come and be a part of Eagle Council in St. Louis on September 15th, 16th, and 17th this year, just a month or so from now. And I want to go through that a little bit more. Every year for the past 52 years, it's actually been a little bit more than that because there was at least one year where we could not have the event uh, Phyllis Schlafly hosted Eagle Council, and Eagle Council was a gathering of what she called her Eagles, uh, what we call uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles today. It's a group of people. It, it's it's a little loosely defined. It's not um, only sort of membership, like uh, pay $20 and you're Phyllis Schlafly Eagle. It's kind of being affiliated with Phyllis Schlafly's work, which is broadly described as pro-family, pro-life. Uh, certainly pro-America, pro-America report, but also America first. She used that phrase quite a bit. Um, Phyllis Schlafly was someone who had a great vision for how America's specialness 
came about, um, founded in the Constitution and the rule of law and the founding values and things like uh, patent law, uh, property rights around inventions and things. She described uh, marvelously in some of her writings about how powerful that was. She had this great vision of the Constitution being extraordinarily powerful at knitting us together and having protections for our system, all these things. She was a great woman of faith. So she believed that our Judeo-Christian values at the founding and our Christian values uh, fundamentally informed how we lived, and it made a big difference. So our gatherings are not the cattle call gatherings. If you go to CPAC, you've probably seen the pictures. If you've attended, they sometimes have 4,000, 5,000 people. They'll have a room that'll have a, a 5,000, 2,500 people watching the big speeches. Um, they'll have dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of, um, uh, tables and, and booths and all. It's really like a trade show. And now Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's group, they do similar things. We're just huge crowds. They're, now they're not. I'm not describing them as not without value. I think they all have their own value. They fit a certain niche, um, depending on, you know, the, the Koch brothers used to have big events and they tended to be more sort of globalist and libertarian leaning and different kinds of things. You can go to some incredibly powerful, large gatherings of pro-lifers, uh, some of the pro-life conventions, the, uh, March for Life in, um, in DC now has sort of conventions wrapping around it. They're very powerful. What Eagle Council is, is a kind of gathering of doers, of people who are already in the fray. They've decided to make a difference in the community they're in. Sometimes they're volunteers at the grassroots level. Sometimes they're elected officials. Sometimes their issue is pro-life or pro-family. Sometimes the issue is education or transparency. Um, it, it's, it's a different kind of gathering. We have had... 1200 people for the presidential candidates in 2015. That was a huge, almost a, uh, our biggest event that I've been a part of, but other times we'll have 150 at a meal, but the, what's happening at the meal and what's happening in the rooms is of the quality of, in, in two ways. One, you got a lot of wise people. You got a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes some these days we're missing some of our greats. Kitty Worthman, who passed away in the last year and a half, I guess it was. She was um, extraordinary. But so are people like Marilyn Shannon. She's the chairman of the board of the Phyllis Life Legals. Tamara Scott, Noreen McCann, um, all these different folks, our own staff. So experienced. They the quality of the people and the experience level is off the charts. So what do you get? You get the networking opportunity that can amplify your uh, skill set and your um, uh, it can amplify what you're doing by giving you more um, strength and resolve and uh, and experience. So, for example, uh, Woody Woodrum out in California, one of our great leaders, he's been coming, he and his wife Donna, for years. And when it comes to the fight in California for the platform committee, for example, which is going on right now, Woody's a guy I can call and say, hey, Woody, who, who's who? What's what? Where are the, the key players? You know, where's the traps here? And that kind of thing. So you get two things. You get quality people, which is valuable for wisdom, and then you get real good education. Education on the key issues. This year, we're going to have a, a speaker on immigration who you've heard on the program, Todd Bensman. He's on the front lines all the time. If you want to understand the issues and you want to amplify your positions, which I hope is to secure the border and, and get our country under control, you want Bensman in your camp. You want him in your hip pocket. This got so, we got so good at this that there was a moment where in the European parliament, 
one member of the European Parliament, Dominic Tarzinski from Poland, was speaking to a policymaker from Germany. And both guys, Dominic and this German, had been to our Eagle Council. We've had the Hungarians there. The Hungarians there speaking about how they use the law to protect and promote the family, the tax code and otherwise. People that say, oh, law's got to be neutral to the family. Neutral to the family is is not neutral. It's a policy decision. And so you've got to decide what you're going to protect and incentivize. Anyway, so all these networking opportunities, and here's why it's so important. In the next couple of years, on the issue of life, because Roe v. Wade is gone, and now we have a brave, new, wide-open landscape, on the issue of immigration and the future of our country based on what we've had in this invasion, on the future of education because of how we've seen what COVID did, we have sort of wide-open fields where a lot of leadership is needed and you've got to get wise and connected, wise and connected, not just connected, not just loud, not just encouraged, get wise and connected. Eagle council, Eagle council is where you want to come September 15th, 16th and 17th in St. Louis. You can come in. It's uh, right at the airport Marriott. It works. For, it's really easy to come in. It's really easy to be a part of it. If you go to Eagle council, EagleCouncil.com. You can go there and find out all the details and sign up. EagleCouncil.com. You're going to want to be a part of it. we got some big announcements of speakers that are coming in the next couple of days. So there you have it. As always, thank you to Noah Dingley, Ryan Height, Mason Mohan, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.